Let's stand for the reading of God's Word. I'm going to begin where I was last week in 1 Peter 5, and then I'm going to take three narratives from the Gospels, the Gospel of Luke, Matthew, and John, that reveal something beautiful about the humility in Peter's life. Carried along by the Holy Spirit, Peter wrote these words. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him there, who are there, were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they'd got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? 
He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. As we have been moving through Peter, 1 Peter, uh, with this theme of sojourn, uh, which is a great biblical theme from the beginning to the end, pilgrimage, exodus, exiles, you've probably pictured it often as a journey on dry land, and maybe even a journey through a desert. But certainly the idea of a pilgrimage must also include the idea of being on water. Even in the sanctuary around here, if you want to take some time someday, come and just look at the glass. I don't want you to do it now, but there are boats and ships throughout these different uh, and wonderful pictures signifying the journey that the people of God have been on from the beginning. Sometimes as I sit there, I look straight up at that one just to see that little boat and just remember all the narratives about the person of Christ and the way in which he was in the boat. And this morning as we look at humility, I want us to get off of dry land. I want us to get in the boat. I want us to get in the boat that Peter was in. And I want to see something of the humility in his life that the Lord brought and the way in which the Lord met him on the water and in the water. There are three things, of course, that I want to take from this. Number one, I want to look at the submission that the Lord gave Peter to himself, not to Peter, but to God. Secondly, I want to talk about security and what it means to possess godly security because all people who are truly humble are really secure people. And lastly, I want to look at what it means to say to God, I love you. So first, submitting to Christ. In the first story that we see, Peter is a humble fisherman. For whatever reason, only because it's in God's plan, he comes to Peter, he's called Peter, and he finds himself, Peter does, with the presence of Christ. And Christ says, I want to get in your boat. So I want you to really begin to picture these scenes. Jesus gets in the boat with Peter and he tells Peter, set your boat a little distance from the shore. And as Jesus is there in the boat, he begins to teach the people who are able to listen and hear. Not long after that, Jesus says to Peter, I want you to set your boat out. Essentially, I want you to go put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Now, do you see what Peter is doing? He has already been fishing and the night of fishing was not successful. He is a professional fisherman. He doesn't know that much about Jesus, but he knows that Jesus is not a fisherman. He doesn't quite understand yet that Jesus is more than that. He's actually the one who made the fish. He's actually the one who made the man who's going to catch the fish. And Jesus is in the boat with Peter. And Peter begins to show signs of humility. The first one, verse five, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word. I will let the nets down. I will let down the nets. The first sign of humility in our life is when we will trust the word of God, even if it makes no sense to us, even if the calling seems too extreme, 
There's a part of us that submits to that, and Peter did. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And what happened? As they set out for the deep, Peter, I believe, expected to prove Jesus wrong, expected to say, look, I told you, you're, you're talking about my business now. I know there's no fish. And all of a sudden, there is an astonishing number of fish, so many that the nets are breaking. That's really important, by the way. The nets are busting. There is not enough for them to collect everything and keep it secure. And so they call for help. What does Peter do? One of the greatest pictures of humility and beginning in Peter's life, it says in verse 8, that Simon Peter, when he saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. People who are humble submit to the Lord. And when they see the greatness of God and they realize that this great God who made them, created them, has saved them, lives inside them, they realize there is absolutely no room for me to boast in anything. Peter is a boasting man. He is a prideful man. And when he sees this miraculous catch and he's somewhat confused about who this, this man is that's in the boat with him, he recognizes the sacredness of this man, something about the holiness of this man, something about the power of this man. And what does he do? He just drops on his knees. And he says, depart from me. I am a sinful man. That was the first real sign of profound humility in Peter's life. Have you bowed down even today as you come into this place of worship? Have you bowed down even today with the thought of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? You are so holy and sacred and set apart. I am a sinful man. I'm saved if I'm in you, yet I still struggle with the flesh. Do you find yourself in humility saying, God, forgive me for boasting in the things that I would add to my own sense of need and security? God, have mercy on us. And he does. Peter is overwhelmed by the presence and beauty and glory of Christ. God wants us to be humble people. It begins there. It begins with an honest evaluation of who we are in light of who he is. And like Peter, we are called to cry out, to fall at his feet, to confess that we're sinful, helpless, and needy. Submission to Christ is where real humility begins. Secondly, we see in the next narrative a profound picture of security. I think one of the greatest attributes of a woman or a man who is humble is that they are secure. They don't talk about being secure. They don't talk about the things that make them secure other than their abiding relationship with Jesus. And we live in a world of deep insecurity. People in the church often don't look any less insecure than the people in the world. And the reason is because we've conformed to the pattern of the world. We believe that the things of the world must be added to that which we already possess as a permanent identity in Christ. And when we do that, we think we're gaining security. We're actually crumbling. 
We're actually creating a sense of greater insecurity by adding to something that already exists. And those are the things I talked about last week. If you weren't here, you could go back and listen to it. It's, it's this wardrobe that we would put on and say, I need to add this to the identity I already have because my need is not being met. That's prideful. Humble people are deeply secure people because of who they already are in Jesus. And I think that's beautifully presented in this narrative of Peter and Jesus walking on the water. Look at this for a moment. Peter is in the boat again. He's on the water. The disciples see something and someone walking towards them. Now at this point in history, what they see is the only man who has ever walked on water. How many men have walked on water in the history of the world? Two, not just one. Jesus Christ, 100% man, 100% God, and Peter. Peter sees Jesus coming and he says, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He's in a boat on the water. Lord, if it is you, tell me to come on the water. And Jesus says, come. I don't know how long it took Peter to then put his foot over the edge of the boat and step out. I don't know. It's fun to think about. And I encourage you, let your mind go. Let the narrative really do a work on your soul. Peter, at some point, puts his foot over the edge of the boat and he sets it down. And it's wet because it's water. But it's not like water because it's hard. It's firm. It's perfectly secure. There is no sense of give. He is stepping onto that which is wet and it is firm. He's not sinking. Can you imagine? Did he look back at the other disciples? Did he just keep his eyes focused on Jesus even at that moment? I don't know, but I know he put his other foot out. And soon Peter is doing what no other man other than Jesus has ever done. He's actually walking on water and he's moving towards Jesus. He said, Lord, if it is you, tell me to come. Jesus said, come. And here he is walking. Can you imagine? But then something hadn't to be added to Peter. His eyes left the one who he was so secure in. His eyes left the one who was powerful enough to enable and overcome the elements of nature so that Peter could actually walk on water. But as he's walking on water, it says he sees, he's surveying, okay? He sees the storm. He sees the wind. You don't see wind. You see the result of wind. There weren't trees around. So what that means is the waves and the water were beginning to get intense. And as those waves and water were beginning to get intense, Peter began to doubt whether or not this security could be sustained. And so he takes his eyes off of the one who sustained that security and he begins to look. And as he does, he sinks. Did Peter suddenly become insecure because of his doubt? I think this is so beautiful. The answer is no. Humble people are secure people because they know that the God of the universe has the power to cause another human being that's not divine to walk on water. But humble people also know that even in moments when they exercise great faith, 
there's often failure. And even in the failure, as Peter failed here, he is still secure. He is secure because inside him, he knows the right prayer to pray. And it's very short. It's simply this, Lord, save me. And then the one true living God who's still standing fixed on that water reaches out his ultimate secure hand as Peter's faithlessness is causing him to sink and he grabs hold of him. Jesus took hold of him. It doesn't say Peter took hold of Jesus. Christ's grip is perfectly secure. Even in our failure, even in our faithlessness. Jesus still speaks of it. He says, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? The point of that question is, Peter, you were walking on water. Am I not bigger than the storm? Do you not realize that I am sovereign God? He didn't yet. But even as he knew more about Jesus, he would come to another place. He would come to a place when the storm was a little bit different. This time Jesus wasn't walking on the water, but Jesus was in a place of judgment and trial. A trial which was going to find him guilty, even though the majority, the majority began to shout that which was evil. Peter could never have imagined his voice would echo, and though he wasn't one sitting there shouting the same things when quietly someone said, weren't you with him? He said three times, one way or another, I don't even know the man. Do you think Peter ever thought it was possible that he could deny Christ? He said as much, I will lay down my life for you. And he would, but not before the Lord had to take him through this journey of humility. On and in the water. So now Peter's on the boat again. Jesus has walked up on the earth for a little while. They're fishing, and it's been another bad night. Nothing has been caught. And on the shoreline, about 100 yards away, they see a man. Suddenly, John, the one whom describes himself as the disciple Jesus loved, says it is the Lord. What does Peter do? Once again, Peter on the water in a boat jumps into the water. He's not walking on the water. He's not running on the water. He is swimming, not willing to wait for the miraculous catch to be brought in, not willing to wait for the other boats to get there. Peter is seeking Christ, and he swims 100 yards. And when he gets there and the others get there, Jesus, God, invites them to a meal. And as they come to feast, they eat. And it's the Lord of the universe, the one who just died for their sins, who was raised from the dead. He's feeding them and they're eating. It's the third time they've seen him. And then he looks at Peter. And he says, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. Third time, Peter, do you love me? And before John says what Peter answered, John tells us he was grieved. Humble people grieve over their sin. 
because they see the foolishness, the, the, the temporary insanity of sin, of trying to meet a need that's already been met, met in some other way. John is recording Peter's grief. And then Peter says, Lord, you know all things. Truly, he's omniscient. You know that I love you. Humble people grieve over their sin. And humble people love the Lord. You and I sin. This side of heaven, this sojourn is going to be full of moments where we experience God's incredible grace in our life and exercise faith perhaps more than we ever thought possible. And sometimes even soon after, there can be moments where we sink. We just lose perspective. We surrender to something or look at something or say something or think something that isn't right. If you are in Christ, brother and sister, you are just as secure then as you are when you can't even imagine you would ever doubt. Humility is born out of a deep submission for who God is. It's his people saying, I take you at your word. His word tells us that if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. His word tells us, and John would write this later, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so they may know you have eternal life. Those who are in the grip of God can never be taken out of it. I believe that's why this second catch of fish, the nets didn't burst. Because Peter was now much closer to being that fisher of men that Jesus told him he would be. And those that Peter would catch and missionaries and ministers throughout being used by God to catch, one thing we know is that not one can ever be lost. Peter wasn't lost either. The grace of God met him on the shoreline. When Peter saw it was Jesus, he jumped out of the boat again, and he swam to see his Savior. Do you want to be a man or a woman of humility? I hope so, because the word of God says that he opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. How can we become humble people? Really, it's about a survey. It's surveying the word of God and what he says about who he is and who we are. It's submission to that truth. And when that happens, my friends, we become a people so deeply secure, not in ourselves, not in our ability, not even in the gifts that he has given us, but in him alone. And when we truly abide in Christ and live in that kind of submission, that security is beautiful to a world that is deeply insecure. You don't have to tell them that you're secure. They just see it. And they want to know why. And you'll give them the answer. You trust in a God 
that came to this earth to live a life that you and I could never live, to die the death that we all deserve to die. He was submissive to the Father, and he secured himself to the Father's will. That led him to a cross in which he was secured, but he's not there anymore. He was placed in a tomb which they thought was secure, but he was raised from the dead, and the tomb is empty. And so now, my friends, this Savior reigns as king until the Father sends him back. And when he does, every knee will bow and tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Do you love him? Lord God Almighty, would you draw near to each of us? Would we grieve any part of our life that is littered with pride and boasting? anything, Father, small or big, that we would set our trust in? And would you cause us to grieve it, but to not live in shame? Would you cause us to see that you have your grip on us and you will use this experience to make us more and more like you so that we too can say when asked, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Lord, if there are any today who are coming to you for the first time, have mercy Bring them to saving faith. Rescue us, Lord. Let us simply cry as Peter did. Lord, save me. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.